Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, so I wanted to talk a little Tom Brady and coaching. That's something that Who? has been in the news. Yeah, you remember TB12, the big guy, mm, nah, the goat? Doesn't ring a bell. Well, it better because he's ringing a lot of dinner bells lately and and providing a lot of checks as well. So he he is back, and uh, the Bucks started their off season workout program. Uh, it's voluntary. Uh, there were three quarterbacks there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you get one guess, Steve. Which of the three quarterbacks did not make it to the first day of voluntary workouts? I'll say Kyle Trask. <laughs> wrong. You are so wrong. Huh? Yeah. Uh, RG four. Mm. Not RG four. You got. Well, you it's got to be. You know, because he just signed the other day. It, he hadn't had time to get to town yet. Blaine Gabbert. No, Blaine was actually there. It was TV 12. Oh, okay. Who, who I don't think we'll see until it's mandatory, which is sometime in June. But that's another story. Um, uh, and Clyde Christian told a funny story about, about Brady and local workouts, which I'll get to in a minute. I wanted to talk about Brady and coaching because that is, is the big story. And, and, of course, not too long ago on my long drive to Denver, Bruce Arians decided to hang it up and, and essentially give his job to Todd Bowles and a succession plan that he had longed for, I guess, for a number of years, but certainly here, once he found out Brady was back, once they got all the free agents back. You know, there's there's been this narrative, it won't go away. We, we've discussed the Miami scenario and situation down there. I, I am one that firmly believes that Brady had a plan, because he's the most prepared athlete that I've ever been around, that most people have ever been around. I think he knew what he wanted to do, and something went, went awry. It had something to do with the Dolphins. I think it had something to do with ownership. Um, possibly bringing in Sean Payton as head coach, which the Dolphins asked for permission and were denied. Uh, and then the day he retired, you had Brian Flores with his lawsuit, and somehow against Stephen Ross and others, that may have gummed up the works for him in Miami. But he still belonged to the Buccaneers. He still had, um, you know, was under contract for them, and they were going to hold him to that and hold his rights uh, straight through and had no intentions of trading those. Now, I don't, no, I don't know that Brady ever came to them and said he wanted out or anything like that, um, but, but the Bucks made it clear. And then something, something changed, and Brady decided to play 40 days, 41 days after he had announced his retirement. Of course, now he's back with the Bucs. Um, who's not back with the Bucks coaching is Bruce Arians, and there had been and still continues to be a lot of talk about how maybe the relationship had sired, soured, and, and you know, Brady... Um, was at Arians' press conference uh, in, by way of proxy Bowles' press conference of being announced the new head coach. I don't think that Brady is, you know, sociopathic enough to show up uh, to, you know, sort of the retirement announcement of B.A. if he ordered the code red. So um, we've talked about that before. But regardless, um, I think those guys got along fine. B.A. kind of does, does things his own way. There's not really been a B.A.-like type coach in the league, um, and I don't think there will be another one for some time. But the one thing I do know 
is that uh, they won a Super Bowl here together. They won 29 games here together. They remain friends as far as I know. They play golf, that sort of thing. But I do think that Tom Brady, and a lot of people think Tom Brady is going to be more comfortable in his fit with Todd Bowles as head coach. And that might surprise people because you think about Todd Bowles as a defensive coach, um, doesn't really have a history with Brady beyond when Tom got here two years ago. Um, certainly they competed against each other when you know Bowles was a head coach of the New York Jets uh, and Brady beat them, beat the snot out of them every time they played them pretty much um, when he was there for four seasons. But beyond that, you know, competing sort of in practice, they've had a lot of interaction, a lot of talks and things, but there isn't a deep-rooted history as there is, um, you know, say with B.A. and Byron Leftwich, that sort of thing. So, you know, what is why is Brady going to like this transition and why will this be more close to what he is familiar with? And it's as simple as this. Whereas Bowles, who goes back, you know, 40-something years, I think, um, with – Bruce Arians, when Bowles was a defensive back at Temple, Bruce Arians' first head coaching job, which he says damn near killed him because he tried to do everything. But Bowles was the coach or was a safety for Temple. Um, at one point, I think B.A. told him, you might want to think about coaching because I don't think you're going to go very well or go very far in the NFL. And, and of course, Bowles wound up playing eight seasons. Um, but so as a man, uh, some of his coaching philosophies for sure, but just how to relate to people – um, growing up as a kid, being you know the way most most young men are influenced by their head coaches, he's had an enormous BA has had an enormous personal relationship and impact on Todd Bowles. I mean, they they are friends um, beyond friends. He's provided you know jobs for Todd Bowles and his family. He's taken care of him, and and, and in fact, he thinks so much of him um, that he allowed him to become the head coach of the Buccaneers. That was. That was B.A.'s plan. The Glazers bought into it um, and retired, you know, certainly a year earlier than he had to for sure because he had Tom Brady coming back, could easily say, I want to win another Super Bowl with this guy. Maybe if I win two, I go to the Hall of Fame. There's a lot of reasons why Bruce Arians could have remained the head coach of the Bucks, and yet he gave this uh, in essence, and the Glazers agreed to make Todd Bowles a head coach instead. So there's a deep-seated relationship between, obviously, B.A., and Todd Bowles, and and that's not changing for anything. But when it comes to football, aside from playing for B.A., um, Todd Bowles is more a disciple of Bill Parcells than he is Bruce Arians. I mean, they, they coach different sides of the ball, Arians and Bowles, to begin with. And you say, well, why is that important? Well, who did Tom Brady play for all those years? 20 seasons in New England, he played for Bill Belichick who is a disciple of Bill Parcells. And so, you know, when you think about what their roots are, um, I know that Arians will get credit for Bowles being part of his coaching tree, but in reality, it's it's really more of Parcells' coaching tree. Um, and also Bowles, you know, you go all the way back to like 2000 when Bowles first worked for the Jets. He was a secondary coach under Al Groh. Well, Al Groh was a longtime assistant to Parcells with the Giants. And in 2005, that's when Bowles first coached under Parcells um, in Dallas. And 
they went there. Casey Rogers was all, had already been there a year. He came from Arkansas as a defensive line coach. That's where those two guys got together. They're now best friends and have worked at several places together. And, you know, Parcells then well, Parcells went to become executive vice president of football operations for the Miami Dolphins. And both Bowles and Rogers stayed in Dallas under Wade Phillips for a year, and they learned some more about the 3-4. And then Bowles eventually joined Parcells on Tony Sperano's staff in 2008 with Miami, and it, it was Parcells that recommended that Bowles be the interim coach there uh, after Sperano was was uh, was fired. So there is this long, you know, standing sort of relationship, um, or or you know, sort of coaching tree, if you will, that that Bowles falls under. That that is the Parcells tree. That is the Belichick tree, in essence, and again. Brady had a head coach that coached defense. Um, they do things a certain way. So we'll get into the sort of the X's and O's about this for a minute. Um, but it makes sense from the standpoint of the way Bowles is going to approach. Now, not practice per se. I mean, I think their routine will be the same. But in terms of what you expect and how you communicate it and the discipline, um, you know, sort of the involvement, because at this stage of Arians' career, let's face it, he was going to be 70, in, he will be 70 in October. Um, he was a CEO coach here in Tampa Bay, had an incredible amount of success doing it his way with his coaches. But he wasn't as hands-on as, say, Brady is used to, or a lot of players are probably used to. Um, he rode around the golf cart. He didn't do the offensive meetings. He left the offense uh, exclusively to Byron Leftwich and to Tom Brady. Uh, and he was sort of, you know, he's very much um, the guy that set the tone for the team, held players accountable, uh, was in on the play calling but didn't call the plays but was in on the game planning, that sort of thing, not that he redlined it and all that stuff. Um, but he let his coaches coach. And whereas Bowles has a staff that he's been together with now for a number of years as well, and, they, and he will let them coach, but Bowles is actually still going to actively call the defense Whereas Arians, when he came to Tampa, said, I'm not calling plays. I'm not doing the offense. I'm giving it to Byron Leftwich. And Bowles is also going to have a, a big uh, interaction and will be in offensive meeting rooms and, and will interact more with Brady, if you can imagine this, probably than, than even Bruce Arians did. And that's sort of what Brady's used to. Um, he had it with Bill Belichick, who didn't coach offense, but – Certainly that relationship and, and the accountability and all those things, um, the discipline, all that is sort of the way Brady is used to working. Um, so we'll get into the particulars, but just your thoughts, Steve, on, you know, on why, like everybody, you, you know, you, you kind of think of the Bucks the last couple of years, and it's still remarkable to me that they won a Super Bowl in a, in a pandemic year, going 7-5 and five and changing things, turning around and all that, they win it. You've got to give Arians all the credit in the world for what he has helped build here with Jason Light. The culture has changed. Bruce started to change it. Didn't get it done under James Winston. They bring in Tom Brady. All this happens. And so Bruce deserves a, a ton of credit. But I can see also where Brady might be more comfortable with this style. It's definitely going to be a style he is used to. I mean, you know, for, when you play for 20 years under that. And perhaps, you know, generally when you hear reports of things, there's mm. some truth to it. Sure. Some more than others. Yep. And and maybe Brady had some, I don't want to say dislike 
for the way things operated here, but it was definitely different in a change. And, you know, maybe he wanted a little more interaction from the head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know that, you know, I mean, the I reports think he did. that he didn't like B.A. I think those are false, I do but too. it doesn't mean there's not things about B.A. He didn't right. would have preferred different or expected different or thought would be different. Right. And, and that doesn't mean their relationship's bad or sour. Right. Um, that happens. I mean, you know, everybody's a little different. I mean, you know, he knew he wasn't going to Bill Belichick when he came here. And, you know. And he, he was happy he, with that, I think. Absolutely. And and he probably talked to Peyton Manning and sure. Carson Palmer and Ben Roethlisberger. <clears throat> but sure. when they played for Arians, he was younger. He was still a coordinator for some of those quarterbacks. And, and probably – the way he coached and, and dealt with them was slightly different in that regard because he would have had to been in every meeting. Yeah. He would have had to been involved in the game planning, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And if it didn't happen here and, and maybe Brady, I, like I said, I don't want to say dislike that. I, I don't think that's the right word. I think it's more just a, it wasn't what he's used to. And it's maybe it was different than what he was expecting. I think it was different. And he, he related that pretty early on, um, you know, the thing about Tom Brady that I think people miss is that he's a people pleaser. Like he, it, mm-hmm. you know, for example, like when Peyton Manning went to Denver, Peyton Manning didn't give a damn. Denver was going to run his offense that he brought to them, and all the coaches and every player in that organization was going to have to learn it his way, the way he called it, the way he ran it, all of that, right? Because he had done it for similar to, to, to Tom, he'd done it his whole career in one place in Indianapolis. He wasn't going to Denver and saying, hey, give me all your terminology, John Fox, give me everything you do. It wasn't going to be like that. So Brady was just the opposite. Brady came to Tampa Bay. Um, certainly he knew what works for him. He knew what he had done in New England. And there, are, look, there are, football has been around a long time, 100-something years you know, there's so much crossover between offenses. Normally, it's terminology that's the big difference. But Brady could have easily said, "Here's my Patriots playbook. Here's what I've done for 20 years. You guys all learn this." He didn't. He came in here and he said, "Teach me your offense, right? Teach me the terminology." Even after, even at age 40, what was he at that time? 42, I think. Um, he was willing to to completely learn a new language, right? And that's kind of what offenses are. It's like you speak you speak French now, you got to learn Italian. You know that sort of thing. So he did that, and he got into his playbook, and he did the stuff at Berkeley Prep. Now, this was complicated by the fact that they couldn't be together. You know, this is a pandemic. The coaches can't be with him. Byron Leftwich can't be with him. Remember, he stumbled in the wrong house just trying to get stuff from Byron Leftwich um, and all of that, the practices at Berkeley. So the players helped Brady learn the terminology, uh, learn the offensive system. And the thing we know about, the thing we know about Bruce Arians and his system is that, you know, he is the ultimate um, no risk it, no biscuit guy. And how did how did he get that reputation? Well, it's earned. <laughs> he, frankly, he, he likes to throw the football. It's not a surprise. He likes to throw the football. He likes to throw it downfield. He wants to score in five or six plays. He doesn't. He's not interested uh, in his offense in twelve and thirteen play drives. Just isn't. That's not his thing. And so, what he emphasizes is the vertical passing game, and it's. Very common for him to have all five eligible receivers out into the pattern on every single play. And very often that can mean four guys running streaks down straight down the field. 
And so he wants to attack. He wants to attack through the air vertically. And it also means that they can bring way more guys than you can block. You're going to have five offensive linemen, maybe a running back if he's if he's got a blitz situation or he's going to pick up the blitz. But beyond that, we're going five verts, and we're going to, we're going to have everybody out there eligible in the patterns when we can. Brady, Brady accepted that, and he and he tried to do it, um, and it got him seven and five, quite frankly. And when they got to the bye week, uh, it wasn't working. Brady was taking far too many hits, in his opinion. Um, they were going way too many three and outs. You remember the first New Orleans game, or the second New Orleans game when they played at home in twenty twenty. I think they had four three and outs before you knew it. They're they're down, you know, thirty points. I mean, it, you know, they they just kept three and out, three and out, and they were throwing the ball on most of those downs. Of course, you don't get any any yardage on first down. You got to throw it on second and third, but it just didn't work. And so they had the meeting of the minds. Brady got some stuff. It started to morph into more of what he did in New England with some of the play actions and some of the pre snap motions and all of that. And then they took off as a football team, and they won eight in a row. The defense got better, okay? Uh, we remember Ronald Jones, who was going to rush for 1,000 yards. All of a sudden, when Lenny came in, when Jones was out, it became playoff Lenny's team, um, running, catching the football, all of that. So it changed. They won a Super Bowl, and it was supposed to change even more last year, and I think it did. Um, it looked, you know, you, you saw games like against Atlanta where – Chris Godwin had 15 catches, right? You saw these uh, 12 and 13 and 14 play drives for touchdowns, that sort of thing. So it started to look more like what Brady had done in New England. Here's the money quote that that Bowles said. He said this several times since he's been hired about his relationship and about how him and Brady kind of see eye to eye. He said, we both want to win, and we don't care how we win. The second part of that statement is really interesting. And I've you know, covered a lot of coaches in the league, and they'll all tell you we just want to score one more point than the other guy, right? Makes sense. That's, it's about winning, and it's a zero-sum game, and I think for the most part coaches believe that. It's easy to say and sometimes hard to do. What I have found is that offensive coaches do want to score one more point, but they really want to score about 25 or 30 more points than you, uh, and they want to be part of the solution and part of the reason why you do win because they're going to try to gut you. Um, and if you have a, a a coach like Bruce Arians who wants to score in five or six play drives, it's awesome. And and look, the proof is in the pudding. They've had a top three offense, I think, for the, the all three years that Bruce Arians was here in terms of points, in terms of yardage and passing yardage and stuff like that. Now, obviously, they didn't win as many games under Jameis Winston because he threw so many interceptions. But they've had offensive production through the roof. I mean, they've set – they're reset and reset their own records every year. So they can absolutely get it up and down the field. The problem is you're putting your defense back on the field. And if you don't score touchdowns or, you know, you don't um, get first downs or field goals, now they're back out there and, you know, you can find yourself having to come back late in games because now you're down seven, down 14, down 10 that sort of thing. You're not helping your defense by playing that style against some teams. Some teams you can do it and get away with it, and other teams it's just not happening. And so I talked to uh, Casey Rogers, who is really Bulls' longtime uh, friend and assistant. They, they met – Casey Rogers went to the Dallas Cowboys a year before Bulls got there. He was a defensive line coach at Arkansas, and that's kind of where they hooked up. 
And ever since they've been together, pretty much everywhere the other has gone. Um, and he, in fact, is going to be one of his co-defensive coordinators with Larry Foote now that um, he'll need that help scripting uh, practices and, and, and that sort of thing. We'll get into how they're going to break that down. Um, but the biggest thing is is that I asked Casey Rogers, I said, what what does this mean, that we want to win but we don't care how we win? You know, like what does that mean? And Rogers explained it this way. He said, we could be a passing team. We could be a passing team, and they, they have been. He goes, but if you, if you have to run the ball 45 times to win the game, at the end of the day, it's about winning the game. And he said, just like on defense, we can be a blitzing team. A lot of people look back at the Chiefs Super Bowl a game, and he said, we really didn't blitz them, though. We used a four-man rush, um, but we were still a pressure defense. It's just whatever you need to do to win that game. And if you have to blitz them every time, that's fine. It doesn't matter. You just need one more point than your opponent. Um, and that's true of Brady, too. Like, Brady's ego, he's all about winning. He's made his, built his reputation not just on stats, which he's capable of putting up, but he's made it on winning rings. You know, the the greatest ring is is the next one, right? My favorite ring is the next one. So he doesn't care if he throws it for 500 yards. Don't get me wrong. He likes stats like everybody else. I mean, this guy probably had more one- and two-yard touchdown passes than anybody I saw uh, that I've ever covered. But he he wants to win the game. And so I think that along those lines, they – they believe in sort of the same thing, that each game is different. You have to have a certain game plan. But if you can help the entire team and not just put up 30 points um, every single game, that's not necessarily the recipe to, to beat certain teams. Um, so you go back to Bowles and how he learned the 3-4 from Parcells um, and you know their philosophy of you know attack on defense but also – help your defense by seeing the complementary game, the entire game, how the pieces sort of fit together. Um, and I think that's sort of more along the lines of what Brady's used to. So I think what you're going to see, in fact, I know what you're going to see, you know, Brady's going to be, he's going to be 45 years old in October. He does not want to lead the league in pass attempts like he did last year, 719 times. This guy dropped back and put himself in harm's way. At age 44. Now he's 45. Um, to his credit, in the offensive line's credit, he only I think he was only sacked like 22 times. And he's hit a bunch of times, including, you know, what was it, 15 times in that game against the Rams that they lost. So he's not going to be about standing back there, seven, five, seven-step drops, patting the ball and, and getting whacked and throwing it downfield. He, he's going to attack when it's there. There's no question about that. But... I think you're going to see them help their defense, which is a young defense, which struggled with injuries last year, um, by running the football. I think they're going to be more committed to running the football. And you say, well, it's a passing league. Why would you run the football? Well, because you got to look at the entire game. you got to look at where you're strong against one team, where you might be weaker against another team. Now, you know, if the matchups are there, um, Maybe you let it fly. You know, if they if they if you're playing against a team that blitzes all the time, you're going to give you man coverage everywhere. You're going to throw it over their heads. You know, Brady sees the game very simplistically, and it's easy to say, almost impossible to do. You know, you play back in a cover two shell, we're going to run the football. You know, you play press man and bring the safeties down, we're going to throw it over your heads. 
You play inside leverage, we're throwing it outside. You play outside leverage, we're throwing it inside. And he, as, as B.A. has called him, the human cheat code, he knows everything you're doing pre-snap. And if you do change, he knows post-snap what to look for. So there's nothing that he hasn't seen. But I just believe that him and Bowles, who will be more hands-on in meetings and practices, will look at each opponent and say, gosh, you know what? We're playing the Rams this week. they got Cooper Cup. They've got guys. We can't go up and down the field with them. You know what the best thing we can do? Keep them off the field. Run the football. Help this defense. You know, let's get to the fourth quarter, and I'll win the game. And, you know, maybe that game turns out the same way. Maybe it doesn't. I just don't believe, um, you know, sometimes you can put yourself in a vulnerable position and put your defense in that position if you get off to a slow start. If you're not, if you're in a track meet and the other guy is, you know, you can't run him down, and Brady ran him down after being down 24 points, you know, you're not, you're not helping anybody. And I, I think that's going to be what to watch for. In addition to, listen, I just think, I just think Brady is used to having his head coach sort of more hands-on, well, I, sort of more in that traditional role. I think there's two things with that, with everything you just said. One, if you don't think they're committed to running the ball this year, they wouldn't have paid Leonard Fournette, what is it, 7 or $8 million for three years? Absolutely. Year. Absolutely. Yes. If they weren't committed to we need to run the ball more and have an effective RB1, they wouldn't have signed him for that. No. Because a lot of people don't believe running backs should get that much money because they wear out everything about that. So you've committed a significant chunk of money this year, your salary cap, compared to what you were paying last year, those guys to your RB1 to run the ball. But two, the other thing about Tom Brady, and and this is my observations from years of watching him and, and hearing him and everything else, is Tom Brady wants to be coached. Yes. He's not a guy that sits, I know it all and I, I can do this all. He wants to be coached. Now, he doesn't want to be necessarily yelled at. or the, I, What I'm saying is he wants coaches in there that are helping him get better seeing things from a different perspective. And, you know, I, I probably one of the advantages of having Bill Belichick as his coach for 20 years was Tom Brady's a quarterback looking at the defense from the offensive side while Belichick's probably challenging him as a defensive coordinator. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have that back with Todd Bowles now. Where Todd Bowles can sit there and say, ah, but as a, this is what I'm going to do against you when you do this. You know, Brady wants to be coached because he wants to be the best. He doesn't think he knows it all. He knows he's no. very good. He knows he's one of the best ever, if, and he is the best ever. But at, at the, the, the mental part of the game, he's definitely one of the best ever. And so he wants to be challenged because that's how you get better. You don't get better thinking that you know it all. The best, the best athletes want to be coached. Now, there's not often a lot of coaches that can coach those guys because you've got to be really good and know what you're doing and know how to coach a guy like that. But, you know, that is an advantage that Todd Bowles may have over what Bruce Arians, one, from being involved probably more, but two, being a defensive coach can help him in that regard. Yeah, no doubt. I agree, I agree with all, all of that. And um, yeah, I, I just think that he's going to be in his comfort zone. I just think that this mm-hmm. is something. And I, don't, I do not believe, however, that, Brady, like I said, I talked about ordering the code red. I don't believe it's not Brady's style. From from all the no. people I talked to, and listen, 
Brady keeps his circle very tight. I, I, I know and talk to some of the guys that are the closest to him, you know, period. Um, from a business standpoint, physically, whatever, okay? And, you know, I trust them in when they tell me that, like, this was not a thing where Tom gave an ultimatum or Tom said, hey, I'm only going to play if, you know, uh, that guy's not – that – that's not his style. What what Brady would do um, is, like any player of his ilk, and there's none really, but let's, let's just say quarterback, he would go and, and say, hey, look, why don't, I want to do this, right? And I'll, I'll give an example because I don't think it's going to happen. But let's say he said, you know what? I think we need an eye, uh, an eye fullback, a lead blocker. We're going to line up. We're going to pound the ball in certain spots, and, and I can flip it out to him. And I, I think we need a fullback in this offense. Bruce Arians doesn't use a fullback. He barely uses the tight end, to be honest with you. The tight end's mostly an inline blocker. Okay. Um, if Tom Brady said, hey, I want one of these little slot receiver guys that can kind of work the middle of the field, run some option routes for me, win inside, and I'm going to flip it out to him like I did Edelman, like I did all these other guys, uh, Wes Welker and so on. Well, you'd say, well, you you know, that that sounds like Scotty Miller. But you know what? Scotty Miller doesn't play the slots because in Bruce's offense, the slot receiver is a big guy. It's Larry Fitzgerald. It's Chris Godwin. It's Heinz Ward. And that guy is steaming downhill, crackbacking on the defensive end, outside linebackers and such to, to help in the running game and catching balls over the middle of the field. So you can't – there's no place in this offense for a Scotty Miller. And yet we know that Brady has done, made it, forged his whole career with those little slot receivers, right? So my point is, and I, there are certain things that just aren't in Bruce's offense and never will be because it's his offense. And I think that, that Bowles will be more uh, willing uh, and in some cases, you know, agreeing with the fact that, hey, you know what? Um, against this opponent, we can't go out there and, and throw the ball 35, 40 times. We, we, might, we might score points, but we're also going to expose our, our defense, and they're going to light us up, and we're going to get in a track meet that we don't want to be in. Let's keep this game close to the fourth quarter. Let's keep that guy and that offense on the sideline. We think we can run the ball against these guys. Let's give it a chance. A lot of times running the football, and it sounds weird because it's a passing league, I get it, but a lot of times running the football is, did you give it a chance? You know? The longer runs and the big running games come late in games. You know what I mean? The big break. Remember the Colts game a year ago? Um, the Bucks were back and forth. They were ahead. They were behind. They were head behind. They never abandoned the running game. And, in fact, the longer the game went, the more effective Leonard Fournette was. And they knew the Colts were going to run the football. And they hit a couple of big plays down the field. But it took a few turnovers. And then what happened? Leonard Fournette. The longer he ran, those guys started falling off of him in the fourth quarter, and then you get the big breakout runs, and you have a huge day the way Fournette did. That's typically the way it works. So it's hard to come in and say, well, we're going to run it. I mean, it sounds simple, but you have to call the runs. you know, you, you, And you have to also have to have some success. You can't be third and nine all day or second and, second and eight. You know, you, Guys are not going to beat their heads against the wall um, if they're stopping the run, but you have to stay with it and you got to be committed to it. I just think that that you're going to see some things that Bruce Arians would have said, eh, it's not my offense. You know what I mean? And to me, that's more of the way Brady would have approached it is like, hey, I think we can do this, 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 and this. And 
it may not be something that BA, you know, was prone to do or prone to do often enough or what have you. Again, not not that he said he wouldn't play for BA or that he wouldn't try to do it what they wanted to do on offense because he's a people pleaser, he would do it. Um, but I do think he's going to be more comfortable with Bowles. I think there's going to be a lot more um, collaboration. It's going to be really interesting to see how Bowles, Leftwich, and Brady work out together. Doesn't it's not guaranteed to work, but it's, you know because again, Bowles is a defensive coach and he has to coach that side of the ball. That's his. He's going to call plays over there, but he's also going to spend time in the quarterback and in the offensive meeting room. He's going to coach the whole team. Um, so how they put that game plan together. Uh, might look different than what we've seen under Bruce Arians, and I think I think Tom is going to be more comfortable with it. That's that's all I mean by this. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Speaking of the Bucks, as I mentioned, um, they have started their off-season, voluntary off-season workout program phase one, mostly weightlifting and meetings and things like that, or exclusively, to be honest with you. We're going to have a chance to talk to uh, several players probably today, so look for that in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. The Lightning are in Dallas. and Late they night could... start, 9.30 face-off. So. Yeah, why so? Why, are they ESP, a network game? It's an ESPN doubleheader, uh, so it's a, there's a 7 o'clock game before them, then in Dallas at 9.30, which is 8.30 local time for Dallas. And they could clinch a playoffs berth in this game, right? If the Lightning win, although they could clinch before the end of the first period, the Islanders host the Penguins. Mm. At 7.30, if the Islanders lose, the Lightning clinch a playoff berth. If the mm. Islanders win, then the Lightning would have to win to clinch a playoff berth. Or if both the Lightning and the Islanders both lose in overtime or a shootout, then they would clinch as well. And if you didn't get all that, play it back or call Steve Versnick and he can go run it through you again. But it, the good news is, is that the Lightning look like they're going to make the postseason, and that's all that matters because once they get there, we know what they do. Uh, hopefully, uh, they make their run back to the Stanley Cup as they try to set, make history, really, modern history anyway, and win their third in a row. Tommy Romero, uh, the promising Rays young pitcher, is going to start tonight against the A's, uh, and that's because Ryan Yarborough is uh, on the IL. He's a little nicked up, so we get to hear and see uh, Tommy Romero on the bump. And... Uh, of course, we're, tomorrow we're going to, uh, well, probably be a couple days, but let's solicit some mailbag questions. I know you guys have a bunch of them, probably some questions on what we just did on this podcast with respect to Todd Bowles and whatnot. Certainly the Rays, the Lightning. Bring us anything you got. You can do that by submitting your questions to us online uh, or on Twitter, I should say, at SportsDayTB. That's Twitter, at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter, at NFL Stroud. My email address for questions is rstroud at tampabay.com, rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Versting, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.